0: Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Jumping straight in here today with Bing it. So by that, I mean Google is going to be dead and it actually might be sooner than we think. So Microsoft search engine Bing has just reached over 100 million daily active users for the first time ever. And thanks to Bing chat, having ChatGPT built into Bing, this new AI feature is drawing a ton of people there. And if you've used ChatGPT before, then you know that this is actually going to change Bing quite a bit to the point where you might not even want to use Google anymore. I mean, what's the point if you can get the answer instead of combing through articles for the answer? So that helps, you know, if the efficiency using it, quickly find the things you're actually looking for. They've already conducted over 45 million chats and roughly one third of their users are interacting with Bing Chat on a daily basis, which is quite a big jump compared to... I mean, Google's got over a billion daily active users, but to see Microsoft gaining ground this quickly and with how quickly ChatGPT was also able to gain ground, it's not super far-fetched to say that how quickly is Microsoft going to be able to close this gap. I mean, Bing might actually be good for once. And we're going to have to wait and see for sure. As ChatGPT gets better, Bing chat will get even more better, if that is the correct way to say that but how will these chatbots and you know ai bots really affect these search engines. so th- i think there's a couple big factors we're going to see happen here. one is like i already kind of mentioned being able to go into a chatbot, ask it for a question and then get the answer you want and get that without having to go through articles, without having to read different things. I'm not saying you shouldn't, you should, but to be able to get like a hey, my phone fell in the water, what do i do instead of trying to find an article to read to figure that out. You just search it and then you know it pops up with a few ways for you to try and bam, you're done. Just go through it that much quicker. An AI chat like this will be much better at like comparing items and reviewing items for you. And on top of that, just ads will get better. It'll be easier for them to have advertisers come to the platform and be able to narrow down what people are actually looking for and actually want to buy. So the potential benefits and risk of this, pretty clear that it's probably going to take way more data from us than even Google does, which is going to be quite astounding. And yeah, I mean, Google is going to be in the depths here in terms of there seem to be a little bit behind chat GPT. I think the biggest person that's going to suffer from this is Apple. Just think of voice assistants. Yeah, Cortana sucks. Google assistants, clearly the best. Bixby sucks. Apple's Siri sucks. But something like this, I mean, Cortana can get way smarter way quicker. All they got to do is just add voice to chat GPT, basically, and it could wildly change Cortana even. But I think Apple, again, Siri has always been behind, doesn't even seem to be gaining ground, and I, I think this is going to hurt Apple the most. I think Safari is really lacking a feature like this. Google at least has barred and has done search for years. be easy for them to kind of keep up and maintain with that. And that's just... I think that's a step we're gonna have to see maybe apple will announce something this year they're working on but on the flip side apple also just doesn't take information from their users as much as google or microsoft or any of these other companies and that's information that these companies are using to build these chats faster quicker and more advanced and apple's just lacking the information so it's a lot more difficult for them to do this in the first place let alone catch up, which is what they're going to have to do if they're going to want to compete. I think this is technology that's going to change a lot of the ways we interact and communicate online. I really think it's going to. I mean, it's a it's a big deal to be able to not have to search for things, like quite literally, other than just to ask or type it in. That said, Discord is adding ChatGPT as well. So this is another company starting to incorporate it here. I'd love to see how much OpenAI is charging these companies for, you know, adding this technology, but if you don't know what Discord is, Discord is just a communication platform. A lot of gamers and other communities use it. It's a voice communication platform. You join calls and you can talk with people. So now OpenAI's ChatGPT3 technology is going to be added in a few different ways. So one of the ways they're going to do that is say you come to a server and you haven't been on in a while, or you just joined, it'll give you prompts of like, hey, this has been talked about recently, and then you can click those and go to that conversation. It'll have it all summarized right there. Be easy to go back, look through it, kind of jump to where you're supposed to be, understand what's happening in the chat at that moment. So now moving forward, the way they're also going to use this tool, and this is something that I think we're going to see come to other platforms as well, and that is Auto mod. So auto mod is something they already have, and it's used to take action and kind of regulate things for this device. But what's going to end up happening here is they're going to use ChatGPT, which is much better at understanding how people interact with it, and is only getting better at that. To understand, you know, if people are going against community, you know, norms or expectations, rules, stuff like that, an AI. A, language model like this will be much better at going after things like that, including other languages. Discord's mod, auto mod right now, is not great at going through. And if you type in a different language in a US server or an English server, you probably might get away with that post. But this has the ability to go through those other languages and go through that. So Discord and Vengeance Turning Clyde, which is their bot, you know, to get so much better and use ChatGPT technology to do it. And I think that, you know, this is information that is going to change how we use communication platforms as well. And like I was saying before, with search, that's going to change things. Clyde is also looking to be used as if it's ChatGPT. And when I say that, what I mean is that instead of going to Google to search something, you at the Clyde bot and just ask it the question, it puts it in chat for you and got your answer. So a lot of things changing very quickly, especially with these bots. And as companies start implementing this more and more, there's not really a competitor right now to ChatGPT. Not that there aren't being ones worked on, but out there where people can access and use them. And if there are, they're just not as big as ChatGPT, which is kind of, I mean, we're in a weird situation here. We're going to really see how quickly this natural language processing model can adapt and change in a short period of time and get better at doing this. So one of the discussion questions we have here is how might the use of AI and natural language processing in communication platforms like Discord change the way we communicate and collaborate in the future. Well like like one of the reasons they're going to use it here is the being able to you know look at a long text of conversation, shorten it, give you kind of the hit pieces you need to know and you don't have to reread everything, which is I could see if you were working at a company and they put out a note or you know an update for people to read, maybe you don't want to read the whole thing. Maybe the whole thing doesn't pertain to you and the chatbot goes through says, hey, this is what you're going to need to know here. This is what pertains to you and you get to see that really quickly, just processed and done for you right away, which is wild technology. And I'm excited to see it and see it evolve and see how good it really is because as impressive as ChatGPT is, when you use it for a while, you notice right away, okay, I know a lot about this subject, and it. if you didn't know a lot, you'd be happy with what it gave back to you. But if you know more, it's missing the subtly of, you know, what somebody more expertise would know about that subject. And on that same note, a Tesla, it turns out, is not... They're learning some lessons here. So you might have seen the yoke steering wheel. And you might think, I don't really want to drive with a yoke. I'd rather have a regular steering wheel. So what Tesla went and did, at least as being reported here, is why have a steering wheel? Now, they're shipping Model Ys with steering wheels, and it appears they're just falling off while being driven. So the the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration here in the U.S. has opened an investigation into this Model Y and the detaching steering wheel problem. The investing... Whoa, the investigation covers approximately 120,000 Model Y vehicles produced between 2020 and 2022. Now, there's only been two major reports here of customers receiving their vehicles with the missing retaining bolt, which is used to connect the steering wheel to the steering column. So if you're missing that, it's quite literally just friction and enough friction and the steering wheel will no longer be on the steering column. So. One of these reports that it fell off while the car was in motion, and as I just explained, friction is what kept the wheel in place until enough force was exerted, and both of these events have happened at low vehicle mileage. Luckily, no one's been hurt yet, but they say that, you know, both these Tesla customers also received repairs that required removal and reinstallation of the wheel, and, You know, Tesla hasn't commented on this at all, which if you don't have a public relations department, how would you comment on these things? But this is just something, I mean, recalls happen on vehicles all the time. This is a particularly wild one to have happen, but I guess if your car is capable of a quote unquote full self-driving end quote, you don't need a steering wheel. Now, the fact that they still ship it with one and it falls off and technically they're not allowed to do that yet. Is a little concerning, but hopefully it's only a few vehicles and it was like a, we changed the line here and, and, you know, a couple got missed, which is horrible quality control, but everyone makes mistakes, I guess, as long as no one's getting hurt. Maybe, you know, on the one hand, at least the vehicle could possibly drive you to safety if something's going that wrong. With that said, you know, what responsibility do companies like Tesla have to ensure the safety? Like I just said, I think what we really have here is a quality control issue, which seems to be some staple at Tesla. Not that their cars are built to break or crash or anything like that. But when it comes to quality control, if you've ever looked at panel gaps or weird quirks in build quality, you know, they're the company for it. That said they do build impressive vehicles in other ways, but clearly they're still, you know, refining the build process of the factory process of a car. Apple, however, is debating refining their HomePod with a display. So this is all rumors, but basically we're looking at like a Nest Hub, an Amazon Echo show here. And it's another way for me to talk about Siri here and just how bad Siri really is. I mean, basically they're saying here's an iPad that'll sit on your desk at home, which I believe there is a feature where if an iPad's in a stand, it can act as a large home pod like this but you know it'll be a smart speaker probably a great sound because that's what apple does i saw rumors saying around a seven inch display and this will be like an actual usable display not the weird uh, puck on top they've put that's just colorful and touch sensitives for volume controls but you know this could be used to display photos videos other content control smart home devices and use voice assistants like siri well, it'd be kind of interesting to see. They'll never do this. But if Apple releases a high-quality device like this and allows you to you know, load the Google Assistant or something like that, it could be cool. Otherwise, like I've said before, they really need to just get better at Siri. Siri needs to catch up at minimum. If not, they need to figure out a company like ChatGPT to buy and do the Microsoft way. If you can't catch up, just buy somebody who's there already, which Apple's done in the past. So... Let's see it happen here. I mean, this could open up new possibilities for app developers. Apple pretty much always leads the way when it comes to innovation or just people getting on the bandwagon of a new product type, a new way of doing things. Apple leads that charge. So if Apple does it, everybody's gonna wanna support it, which only helps Google, only helps Amazon. And would be good to see. Like I said, Siri needs the help, but it'd be good to see other developers work more on this type of technology. So, you know, what what additional impact would a display have on HomePod users? I don't know. It seems like the HomePod's never sold well. And the best thing it's done is left little rings on people's tables for the color rubbing off the bottom feet. So that's, that's what it offers, I guess. On the other hand, Apple updated the iPhone 14 with a new yellow color option. Now, if you've seen the pictures of it, it is a weird palette of yellow. It's a pale yellow, but the sides are actually look like they're a different color. It's a neat color. Uh, the yellow would add you know, more colors to the iPhone, including black, white, blue, red, purple, and now yellow. One of the things I wanted to say about this is I'm not somebody who uses a case with my phone, but most people do add a case makes you just wonder you know how many people are actually gonna should actually care about the color of their phone if you're gonna buy a case anyways why does the color matter as much on the parts you're gonna be putting a case around anyways now last year they did this too about half with the phone cycle they added an alpine green and they seem to like doing these color refreshes halfway through maybe it's just me as a tech person but if i know a product's halfway through its life cycle i know the new one's coming soon I'm more inclined to wait. Like if it's not within the first few months of a release of like a phone, for instance, something that I know is getting updated on a yearly or bi-yearly basis, it's kind of like, why would I bother upgrading in the middle of a thing? Maybe some people just can't help themselves and need the color yellow. But again, why wouldn't you wait? Maybe this is just Apple's way of saying, Hey, don't forget about us. Here's a new color to try out. Maybe... Maybe we'll actually release a phone with this color. It's, it's really hard to say. I mean, yeah. It's just, it's weird that they do it halfway through. I don't see why they don't just do it at the beginning. It's not like, I mean, maybe people care. Maybe most people don't. don't even think twice and just go, I like that color, I'll take that color. And the rest of it couldn't matter less to them. Which is, I guess if that's how you want to live life, then live your life that way. So, Ford's e transit, which is their electric van, is the next school bus, it looks like. Ford has released a concept that is based on the e transit of a short bus. And when F- Ford began, you know, di- disclosing these e transit sales last July, apparently they have about 95% of the electric van market, which is wild. Out of all the companies to do it, I mean, not that Tesla has an offering there or. Many other companies do, but Ford apparently is just running it wild, which is kind of, kind of interesting because the E-Transit has a low mileage range. Like, so the low roof variant, there's three variants. We're only going to talk the mid is in between who really cares. We just want to know the lowest end and the highest end, right? So the lowest roof model has 126 mile range. while the high roof has 108. So my question is these shorter vehicles or these these vans like this that are used for delivering mail, moving kids on buses now and you know Amazon's talked about getting some of these other companies have too. They're vehicles that do a lot of driving and carry a lot of weight and I I didn't see any reviews or anyone talking about how much does that affect these 100 mile ranges? I mean I don't know how far a average USPS driver goes in a day or, you know, mail delivery driver goes in a day, but I would guess it has to be close to that range. And while the vehicle's full, that's a lot of time. And if it is like a, Hey, we have to charge partway through the day. That's a lot of time spent charging. Now, maybe these places don't really care and are like, we'll just buy enough vans to deal with this. But that seems like a problem that you're going to see at some point, especially school buses that are run all day long. You know, you might pick up kids and bring them to this school in the morning, then you might bring a group to some show, and then you have to bring the kids home at the end of the day. That's got to add up to a more than 126 miles, more than 108 for sure. Where are they finding that charge time throughout the day? Is it as viable as a normal gas vehicle? Now, that's said, the E-Transit is already a pretty game-changing electric van with already having saved over 745,000 gallons of gas just after its first year in the market. So it's clearly hitting a target audience that needs these vehicles and is using them a ton. But for such a big, bigger vehicle where they could fit a bigger battery in there and possibly get more out of it, in my opinion, 126 or 108 on the low end just seems like not enough. Now, maybe that's just a... Maybe those, I didn't see for sure, I didn't think Ford listed on their site when I pulled this up, but I didn't see if that was with load or without load, so maybe that is something that could be, you know, full load, you're guaranteed, you're gonna get this 108, I kind of would doubt it, but maybe it is, maybe it really, really is. Speaking of uh, vehicles, changing things, I guess, we have the 2024 Mustang is next to lose AM radio, so Ford is discontinuing the am radio in the 2024 mustang following a trend of automakers doing the exact same thing to remove this declining in popularity technology so the second ford vehicle to lose it you know after 2022 the ford lightning stopped getting it as well so tesla had moved away from it and its new cars in 2018 everyone else is just like yeah no one uses this unless you're old and no, I mean, those people don't even use it that much. So why do we need it in our vehicles? So these moves have been, I think, on consumer ends, no one really cares. But it turns out that, you know, a lot of people in government actually care. And that's because, well, AM radio plays, you know, no role for most of us. A lot of government agencies rely on it for, you know, national warnings, public warnings. Stuff like that is all done through AM radio. So last year, the FCC commissioner also rejected to reassign AM radio spectrum to be used in other ways, and that wasn't passed. So clearly the government still wants to hold on, but I think as we see more and more vehicles drop it, they're going to have to change it over and maybe just take over part of the FM, something like that, because this technology is clearly dying and leaving the public scene pretty quickly. And I think as electric vehicles go, you actually have to be pretty safe when it comes to being able to use AM radio, because from what I read, due to, you know, the power terrains of electric vehicles, they can actually interfere with AM radio receivers. So, you know, some of these, some of the things that are going on here is uh, as Ford, you have to go out of your way to make sure that your power terrain isn't going to interfere with that if you include it. So that's just kind of a, it's a dead technology. It's leaving. We're getting headphone jacked here. It's out. It's gone. We're done with it. So, you know, what impact could this have on the car radio industry as a whole? Like I said, I think it's a dead platform. I don't think we're going to have to worry about this. And the government's just going to have to figure it out. So next up here, the biggest topic of last week, the biggest topic going on even this week still. There's new articles going up every hour talking about the SVB bank collapse. Now, I'm guessing most people have read about it, have a basic understanding about it. I want to kind of come at this from a different angle. So most people would think that, you know, it's a lot of startups, that's a lot of money. 16th biggest bank in America, gone overnight. I mean, not literally, but in terms of to the public, to most of these people, gone overnight. That's a lot of money disappearing. And it's going to be interesting to see. So what I want to do is kind of talk about it from like a startup and... Even just normal companies, because everyone knows what Roku is. The streaming service, actually rather popular. It seems that they actually have a fair amount of money. But it turns out that SVB was holding a significant portion of their cash reserves. I believe it was close to a quarter of them. And this is just coming to show that it seems like a lot of the money kept at SVB were actually not insured. Which is wild to think about. That's a lot of money that's literally gone. Like you're just not going to see that. Now other banks are stepping in and kind of offering some leeway for companies trying to help them not be as affected by this by delaying payments for things and such and such, which is great. It's good to see that other banks are trying to do what they can. But this is it's going to be hard to say that this isn't going to affect anything and not affect these other banks. I mean, this is a major halt in Silicon Valley especially when it comes to startups and startups are what all these big companies we think of your Googles, your Apples, your Microsofts all buy startups. If you don't think they're buying startups every day, most of them are. And those are just on pause now, which is going to halt innovation for a little while too on top of that. So that said, you know, Silicon Valley bank is probably not going to be able to return a lot of these deposits and it's something you should look into, read a lot more. I don't want to talk too much about it here. As much of it's a big deal, again, the bank disappearing itself, the problem is they were such a big bank when it came to new tech startups. And that's just gone, which means starting a new startup, if you had a startup, I mean, this is just going to be a wild way for things to go. I mean, it's a, it shows a giant gap, not only in how things are regulated, but how these banks hold themselves. I mean, it's amazing how quickly an entire like community or, uh, like enterprise can just a couple things go wrong and they're gone. Just like that. That's how close most things are to falling apart. And this is a great example of why don't put all your eggs in one basket. A lot of companies do a lot of people do, and you just really should be careful on doing that. Now, the system probably needs to be changed a little bit here. We need a new way for things to be invested in that's going to be safe. If a, the 16th biggest bank can disappear pretty quickly, then clearly we need to redo and figure out how to you know, manage these funds better because we need the technology to keep moving. Because if we don't, we fall behind. If we fall behind, other countries take over. Things could go really bad. So we, we need technology to move ahead. That's how we keep the world moving. That's just how people operate. We need to keep going ahead and startups are how we do that. So yeah, I mean, a backup plan, risk management strategy, there's there's so many things that need to be looked at and changed. And if you're a company that didn't even get affected by this, you need to start thinking about, hey, I got lucky that wasn't my bank and or maybe I stopped using them. But that said, I need to either diversify my income. I need to figure out how to do things differently so that this can't happen to me. So even if my main bank goes under, I have enough in other places that were fine. Now I think Roku would be fine. Clearly, if like it was like four hundred and eighty-seven million was in, you know, Silicon Valley Bank. Clearly, if they had that much money and that was about a quarter, they're making enough dough that they'll probably make it out. Not saying that they won't cut some people, but they'll probably make it out. And so they get lucky, but you know, a lot of startups aren't gonna get that lucky. That money's gone and you know, people were expecting to live on that or work off of that. And hopefully we can figure out a way to prevent this from happening in the future, or at least figure out a way that companies can diversify enough to not have to worry about stuff like this. But that's just to be seen. We'll have to see where this goes. Like I said, new articles coming up all the time. I kind of wanted to talk more about Just how wild it is that major companies are losing tons of money in this. So with that said, I will talk to you guys in the next one. I hope you enjoyed and we'll catch you guys tomorrow.